In April 2015, the fourth adult canon novel, Lords of the Sith, by Paul S. Kemp, was released to much fanfare in the community. We are here today to talk about it on the newly rebranded canon catch-up by the Star Wars book community. Hello there, you're listening to Canon Catch-Up by Star Wars Book Community Podcast. I'm your host, Chris, slash Star Wars Book Collector, and today I'm joined by three wonderful guests. Uh, first, we have Morgan, aka Not A Force User. Do you want to say hi, Morgan? Hi, Morgan. <laughs> Very funny. Um, secondly, we have Mark from my second favourite podcast, Tarkin's Top Shelf. Do you want to say hi, Mark? Hello. Uh, how are you? What's your favourite one? This one. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah. It's good to have pride in your work. I would, I would never pick mine as number one. Uh, I mean, that's just that's the difference between me and you, Mark. Yeah, I'm, I'm just too humble. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, actually, it's, it's more of a competence issue than than that. But yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I'm a fan of the episodes that I'm not on. So, like the ones that Johnny and Dan do, they're my favorite. Um, and lastly, but not least, we have Becca, also from Tarkin's Top Shelf. Did you want to say hi, Becca? Hi, you guys are making me laugh already. Oh my gosh, the humbleness. Mark, you're so funny. And you know, no, it's all good. I mean, you should be a, a fan of what you do because you're fanning out on stuff that you like and you're doing yes. it. And you know, exactly. You gotta like it. I see, I'm the opposite. I don't have a favorite podcast because I'm afraid if I listen to too many other podcasts on the same genre that I might take some other you know what they say and credit it myself and i don't want to do that so yeah i tend not to listen um but that's just me i'm just doing talking no that's fine <laughs> like I, I nearly introduced you as becca from my third favorite podcast um talk is top shelf but i didn't know if you if that would come across as a joke or not so i, I didn't um <laughs> i would have laughed <laughs> Okay, I yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes see there you go you laughed at me oh well <laughs> then go. i'll tell you what we'll edit it in. and dan dan can work some magic for us it's fine um okay so before we get into it let me just read out the publisher's summary for lords of the sith and then we can jump straight into our thoughts so this is the publisher's summary anakin skywalker jedi knight is just a memory darth vader newly anointed sith lord is ascendant the emperor's chosen apprentice has swiftly proven his loyalty to the dark side Still, the history of the Sith Order is one of duplicity, betrayal, and acolytes violently usurping their masters, and the truest measure of Vader's allegiance has yet to be taken until now. On Ryloth, a planet crucial to the growing empire as a source of slave labour and the narcotic known as Spice, an aggressive resistance movement has arisen, led by Cham Syndulla, the idealistic freedom fighter, and Isval, a vengeful former slave. Where Emperor Palpatine means to control the embattled world and its precious resources by political power or firepower, and he will neither be int intimidated nor denied. Accompanied by his merciless disciple Darth Vader, he sets out on a rare personal mission to ensure his will is done. So, for you guys, I, for, I mean, I for one remember there being a lot of excitement for this book when it was first announced. Do you think it lived up to the promise of a deeper look at the relationship between Vader and Palpatine? So Morgan, we'll start with you if that's okay. So I came into this whole Star Wars book community thing a little late. Um, I was one of the pandemic introductees. Um, so I wasn't there for the hype, but as far as when I looked at the book, 
I was kind of nervous. Like, um, I am not a like big Vader fanboy um, in any way, shape, or form. Um, like, I was I was kind of worried that it was going to be a little too aggro for me, and it wasn't. I was I was pleasantly surprised in terms of that. So, not necessarily talking about whether it lives up to the hype or not, but whether it lived up to what I had in my head, it was better than I was expecting. Yeah, that's absolutely. Um, I think I had similar reservations. I thought, surely, it, can they maintain a whole book that centers around just Vader and Palpatine? But we'll talk about it in a, in a bit. They obviously found ways to do that. So, uh, Mark, what about yourself? Uh, yeah, I thought that... Uh, well, okay, so every time that something new with Darth Vader is announced, I always go through this, like, Vader is overused. Like we've already explored his story fully. What else can we possibly mine out of this character? Um, like we've got the original trilogy, we've got the prequels and uh, he's already made so many appearances, various things. And then inevitably every time that he's in something, whether it be a small cameo in uh, rogue one or whatever, I love it uh, because they just do such a great job uh expanding the character in ways that make him uh, either more sympathetic or more threatening, which is kind of the balance that he always has to maintain for his story to keep working within the films. Uh, and so, yes, it comes out and yeah, I loved the book. I thought it was great uh, how it sort of explored his inner turmoil and the sort of, well, definitely abusive, manipulative relationship that the emperor has with him. So yeah, I, I loved it. Yeah, absolutely. And Becca, I know you're a big Anakin fan. And as this story is set quite early in, um, I think it's 14 BBY, isn't it? So roughly about the same time as Solo in sort of the Vader years. I imagine you quite enjoyed this book, am I right? Uh, yeah, I was laughing at everyone's commentaries on this. Um, see, as Diego Luna recently said to Hayden Christensen, He's the character. Like, Star Wars wouldn't be Star Wars without Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker. He is the central character. So there's never too much Anakin Vader. My opinion, of course. Um, but yeah, no, this book had a lot of hype around it. I was excited. I was scared because I was, I didn't want him to be, as Mark said, you know, maintaining that threat. I didn't want him, because to me, Vader isn't always a threat. He is a complicated lost soul he is never completely happy no matter what point of his life he is in let's be honest with that and that's terrible like that was one of my ongoing questions i actually said it at a panel once was that you know to me if i was luke skywalker or leia the one question i would have in regards to my father was he ever happy and it's just yeah. one of those questions like think about it was this person ever happy in their life I mean, maybe on the wedding day, that was probably it. Maybe when he was pod um, racing. Or pod racing, right. Yeah, <laughs> because, you know, but you think about that. But um, no, this story did, for me, live up to the hype because I cried through it. I, I want to say timeline, though, it's written, I think, during very similar time frame as when um, Hera and Kanan are meeting. So it's like happening right around then. So... It's before Rebels, obviously. It's like maybe eight years, I think, after. Oh, yeah, I think you're right. I think I'm completely wrong with my timeline. I think it is I later think than it's starting before, isn't it? yeah. similar timeline as A New Dawn, like yes. right around there. So, which explains why, you know, 
we get her dad Sindula, <laughs> Cham, right? Cham? Yes, Cham. In this book, yes. So it, for me, though, this really is more or less of a relationship not between Vader and Palpatine. It's a relationship with himself. He's fighting who he once was and who he's trying to be right now. And you get that throughout the turmoil. He thinks of Ahsoka. He goes through that. And at the very end, I think he kind of makes his decision where he is with that because of the group of people at the end that he kind of takes out. They're Togruta, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. Or at least the first person that he starts with as a child that age of, yeah. But anyway, it's... It's, a, it's an interesting book and it goes back and forth, like Mark said, with that balance of, you know, him being in conflict with his inner self and still trying to be this persona that Palpatine wants him to be because he needs to feel like he's significant. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point, actually, because I feel like most of the the really memorable Vader stories that stick with you are the ones that really hone in on that conflict. And yes, it's it's more palpable here pun intended because it's kind of like his uh devotion to palpatine is physically being tested because palpatine's there but it is it's more than that isn't it so it's his it's his um battle with the the light as well and how and how he's sort of consolidating the two in his head um so that is fascinating It, it brings to mind other stories like um the darth vader comics by charles soul or um I can't think of any right now, but yeah, that that the, the biggest reference obviously is Charles Saul's Vader run, which obviously came out after this, but it's a similar idea. Um, but you, your point about Champs and Dull actually leads me on to my next question. So one of the more notable things about this book is just how much it focuses on Champs and Dull and the free Ryloff movement. Um, so how did that work for you guys, Mark? Well, uh, I mean, it's a character that I've liked for a long time. Uh, so for me, it was just a continuation of the Clone Wars, and that sort of nests in there neatly with uh, Rebels, obviously, with Hera's uh, whole story. And, and you know, when she slips back into her home accent when she's mad at her father. Um, so for me, I thought that it was nice to sort of explore the ongoing struggles that they have. And also, like, they're not only working against the Empire, but against Ornfri Ta, who is sabotaging their efforts and working uh, in concert with the Empire rather than helping his own people. Uh, and so to see where Cham's anger rests and the reason why he's so upset about this ongoing conflict, because it seems like they're just being enslaved by one group and then another group, and it's just they're never gaining freedom and actually i i this kind of makes me think that i would like more stories about ryloth but like show us some good times after after the war is over maybe i don't think ryloth Uh, had any good times to be honest no i don't think it did i mean really things have gone terribly and oh and i remember uh because talking about orn frita i remember the um the controversy when bad batch came out and it appeared that he had been killed and people like well that doesn't work because of lords of the sith uh, which yeah. happens later in the timeline and it's like of course they didn't mess that up but yeah i i thought it was really good uh the story that he had with uh isval and the other uh twi'leks in, in this book yeah i mean i mean did you do you have similar thoughts becca on that yeah no absolutely everything mark just said i mean and that's just it we get that 
that inside look. And you also get a really good look at Jem and how much Hera has incorporated, you know, things from her father, you know, attributes and things that she decided not to, you know, which leads to what we see in Rebels when they have that that tension in between them. Um, because he is all about freeing, you know, freeing Ryloth, his people, where Hera is bigger than that. It's more than that. It's the galaxy at, at large, you know, doing the greater good. And not that he's wrong in any way, but like Mark said, I don't think they've ever had a fair shake. I mean, their people have been used and abused and trafficked in so many horrendous ways. And it's just really sad because do they ever get a fair shake ever? Like, do they ever have any happy moments, you know? So, but again, it is called Star Wars. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's not know. star party time, is it? So, um, so um, Morgan, what about yourself? I mean, how did you connect to the Free Lilith movement and Champs and Dollar in this story? So when I said I wasn't a Vader fanboy, I am absolutely a Twi'lek fanboy. Um, that's been my favorite uh, alien species in Star Wars since the first time we saw one. Um, so I've obviously been a big fan of everything with the Free Ryloth movement. That was, in, in my opinion, the Vader storyline for me was the least interesting part of this book. The Free Ryloth stuff was way more compelling for me personally. Um, Isval, in particular is yeah, an incredible Isval, character yeah, yeah. Isval yeah. is Isval is amazing um and like you were just talking about Becca when we look at how Hera is approaching things and Hera is going for that whole the entire galaxy is what she's concerned for and we look at um John being like the my particular people is what I'm concerned for Isval is just like I'm concerned for me and people like me um, if I can help one person, if I can help somebody, I'm doing something. And that's that's really what I'm shooting for. So I, I think that's really compelling um, going at those different levels at which the the Twi'leks and the, these people in general, the free, free ugh, I can speak English, the free Ryloth movement uh, works. It's just, I think it's more interesting than what we get in the Vader Palpatine storyline. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I, like, I, like I just mentioned, I genuinely feel like the real star of this book, for me anyway, is Isval. Because the journey that she goes on in this book and her relationship to Cham is so compelling. But beyond that, it does things I've never really seen in Star Wars books before with that character. When she's first introduced, um, for one, it goes back to what you were saying, Mark. It paints such a great picture of Ryloth and the sort of depravity. And it reminded me of the the um, Undercity in Coruscant almost, but more rustic, um, the sort of debauchery that goes on there. And there's like allusions to the fact that she's a prostitute and different things like that, which, again, I've never really seen in a Star Wars book before. Nothing that overt anyway. And it just made her character so compelling and so fun to read that her spoilers, her ultimate fate, I found quite disappointing because I really want more from that character. There's so much more there you could do. Even if it's just short stories or just, you know, um, some of the adventures as such of Free Love, Free Ryloth. It's really fascinating stuff. And that was the star of the book for me. Um, so I'm totally with you on that, Chris, and I agree that it would be so nice to see more. Yeah, definitely. 
Oh, yeah. So I, I think it would be great to see more of her. But at the same point in time, I think that the resolution of her story, I don't think it could have ended any other way. I think that regardless of what was going to happen, she is going to end up in the state that she ends up in. Because it, there's so much fight in her that she's never going to back away from the thing that she's doing. And eventually, the ultimate end is going to be the same. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Mark, yourself, do you think we have... I mean, how did you connect to Isfala? And do you think there's room in Star Wars books or physical, you know, uh, visual media for these more potentially adult stories? Well, I I think that it could be done in a way that uh, doesn't flinch, but also isn't, you know, inappropriate for younger readers. Uh, But yeah, the, the tragedy of the character is, so she is angry because of, uh, all the things that happened to her, obviously. And she's angry of the state of all the other Twi'leks as well. And in some ways, uh, like Morgan said, like there's not really any other way that her story could have ended. Um, I do like the idea that they've done where they do uh, like graphic novel or comic issue interpretations of some of these books. So yeah, I think there's room for that. Uh, But it, it almost feels like She's just going from being used in one way to being used in another way, almost as as cannon fodder for the Free Ryloth movement. Because in order for that resistance movement to, uh, to, to keep going, you have to have leaders that are willing to put people in danger. And, and so, yeah, like, like Morgan said, her fate was sealed. And I think that we've seen this over and over and over again with different characters when we know that they're going to come into conflict with Darth Vader, we know how it's going to end for them. So um, it, it's a tragedy. Uh, it's not the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise, but, you know, <laughs> any anytime you have a character that's going to try to assassinate Vader, uh, it's just not going to work. No, we've seen a lot of that recently as well, especially in the comics. Um, there was a whole Hidden Empire thing of people trying to assassinate Vader. Obviously, it never works for anyone. Ultimately, he had to do it to himself in the end, didn't he? Um, so, Becca, did did his file maybe on par with Vader for you in this book, or are you still you still on that Anakin stand train? <laughs> well, again, it's. I think we all resonate to what draws us to the story, and obviously, I was very drawn to Anakin Vader because I've just always have been since I was, you know, three, four years old. Um, That being said, she is a remarkable character. And I think we've seen some similarities even in live action. I mean, take for instance, 1983 with Ula. I mean, she does what she has to do. She doesn't like what she's doing, but she's going to do what she has to do to survive until she's had enough. And she stands her ground. She knows she's going to lose against Java. She knows but you had enough, you know, again, these people have been so, you know, just treated so poorly throughout, you know, and we get that even in the book of uh, the book of Boba Fett with the Madame. I can't think of her name. Someone please help me here. Um, oh yeah. The but, one in the, um, the bar thing. Right. She's running it and she's, you know, she's in charge of it, but again, she's still kind of, you know, enslaved in a sense to the huts right because you have to give a portion to them and blah 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 so she has to follow those rules again she's not really free 
And of course, I still don't like the way that ended. I, but again, I didn't see a body. So, you know, I'm going to go with that. <laughs> um, but, you know, again, she's tough and she stood her ground because enough was enough. And in a way, she went out in a very, and I say this with a very Carrie Fisher attitude. She's given him a finger in a sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that takes a lot of guts and gusto. And characters like that leave a mark. So I give her so much credit for that because it also not only did that, but it resonated with Cham and that's who it needed to because it pushed him to go forward, to carry that torch, carry that hope that they could still do this. Um, and I want to say, someone correct me if I'm wrong, um, Resistance Reborn, I want to say there was definitely reference to this movement till that, you know, to even into that time period, into the sequels. So that's what I'm saying. It did leave its mark what they've been trying to do because they're still under such pressure to free themselves. Even then that's like 30 years, you know, 30 years later. Yeah. And and then um, to carry on what you said about comparisons to maybe live action characters, there's even echoes of characters like Valen Sinta from Andor in Isval, you know, the, Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause obviously they lead double lives. Um, well, especially Val being one Mothman's sister. That's right. Isn't it? She is, isn't she? I haven't ever seen another one. Um, no, um, cousin. Cousin, that was it, yeah. yeah. So, And yes. then she's obviously fighting for the rebellion um, and doing the things that she needs to do. And she's almost in- enslaved to that rebellion because she wants to see justice and freedom, doesn't she? And it's a very similar, and they're both incredibly hard-edged characters as well, which is a kind of a new thing for Star Wars. Yes, we've had strong females, but we've never really had females strong females to this degree where they're incredibly hard-edged killers essentially um and i'm here for it i don't know about you guys but i'm here for that absolutely um but yeah i mean would would you go do, do you see the comparison in that becca um between val and Cinta? absolutely um and i think we're getting more of that like you said it because you know, there's more content now. And I hate to use the word content, but that's what it is. We're getting more stories that are coming visually to us. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, we are seeing more of that. I mean, even with what's happening like right now, you know, uh, when have we ever had a Star Wars project where we've had three leading women and all different kinds of women and very strong edged women and, you know, willful women. And it's just, it's amazing to um, see. And we should really be celebrating that because yes, we've had Afra. Afra has been around in comics for a little while now. And I think she kind of paved that way for so yeah. many other characters. Um, so I think we really should give credit to her for that. Um, and I'm happy to see it. Yeah. Because obviously Leia has been carrying that, that, that flag for a long, long time of the kick-ass female character um and some people will say padme i mean i'm i know you're a big padme fan becca um i don't think in the movies i'm much of a padme fan she wasn't as well-rounded a character as others um but it's funny you mentioned resistance reborn actually diverging slightly because there's a character in this book the one that the chams informant with, with the empire is really reminiscent i found of the um, the middle manager, first order officer. Um, I can't remember his name in Re- Resistance Reborn, if you remember that character. Um, so really similar characters like there again. I love Resistance Reborn. So any chance to talk about that, I'll do it. Um, but back on to my next question. Um, 
this book is one of the most action-packed and fast-paced Star Wars books there is. It's it's nonstop. It's breakneck. It's it it goes back to what you were saying, Mark, about um, how it could work as a, a comic. I feel like this really could out of any of the books because it is mostly action, especially the Vader and Palpatine story. They're always fighting big monsters and beasties and going into caves and and all these things. And it's it's really really fast paced. I mean, how do you respond to that kind of Star Wars book? And do you think it works here, uh, Morgan? start with you if that's okay yeah no um i do usually prefer a slower book but going into this one i don't know what it was like i can sit down and read this entire book in one sitting and it's just an adrenaline filled like i don't want to say fun ride because there's some not fun stuff that happens like in every star wars book it's like you said star wars it's not star piece but i i think it's just it's so compelling and you can't put it down, whether it's the actual physical action scenes or if it's the political machinations. I think that's what makes Star Wars Star Wars and this has the best parts of that for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think as well, we have that, um, and I'll ask Mark, I'm, I'm sure you have something to say about this. Um, we have a, a, a rare glimpse at the full extent of Palpatine's power as well because there's that moment where they're in the caves and they're fighting... Um, I can't remember the exact name, which is annoying me because they're referencing something I read very recently. Um, those the sort lilacs. of beasts. The what's it called? Sorry, lilacs. Yes, lilacs. Yeah, um, they're fighting them in the caves, aren't they? And Palpatine just unleashes Hal and kills them all within seconds. Um, so, how, how do you respond to these kind of stories and moments like that, Mark? Well, um, the action in this book as a writer is, is the kind of story that I, um, I aspire to write, uh, because I love exciting, fast paced books. I, I, I do like ones that are more contem- uh, contemplative as well. Uh, but the way that this book is paced is almost not quite to the level of intensity of like the first book of the High Republic, uh, Light of the Jedi. Where, you know, those first 17 chapters of that just like floored me. I had to put the book down and like take a minute. Um, but yeah, the constant action and and seeing Palpatine as the biggest threat uh, instead of Vader. I, I really like that they maintain that because if Vader really was more powerful than Palpatine, if he could have taken him out, he would have done it like right away. But there's no way he can. And I like how, again, when you have a, a character like Palpatine, I worry that the character will be diluted and they'll sort of over time uh, erode the um, the threat level by putting out too many stories about the character. Uh, and just to show that he is dominant, he's the top of his game, nobody can beat him, and, and the way that this novel just like reinforces that constantly is incredible. Um, and, and I think oftentimes I'll say, and I got this from my favorite English teacher, that Iago, the character from Othello, is the most despicable villain of all literature um, and all fiction of all time. But Palpatine, every time he's in something, he gets a little bit closer to, to claiming that title. And and this book was no exception because it shows how strong he is, how powerful he is, and just how much of a uh, a jerk he is i'll say it nicely 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's quite funny actually because everyone's incredibly, everyone's struggling through this book. Like whether it's the Ryloth movement, whether it's um, the troopers or Vader, even Vader's struggling through this book. They're all battling and fighting for what they want. Palpatine's on a holiday. He's laughing his whole way through it. This is just a game to him. It's how he unwinds. It's how he unwinds, yeah, exactly. It takes him back to his moments when he was training, when he used to, if you're ever a Darth Plagueis, when they went to that planet just to fight those people, you know, just for fun every year. Um, but, Becca, if you get anything to add, to add to that, I mean, how did you find the pace and the action in this book and Palpatine? The pace scene with Paul was phenomenal. I'm actually sad that we haven't had anything from him since because um, I think he did such a wonderful job with this. Um, and there's not many people that can get that balance. Correct. Um, like you said, Charles soul. Yes. With the comics. Absolutely. Um, but here's the thing. See, I have to be a little bit argumentative um, and disagree with Mark about saying whether or not Vader could take out Palpatine. Yes. Palpatine is showing his strength in this particular scene that we're talking about, but he's showing it to Vader. He chooses very wisely who he shows his powers to everyone kind of, knows that is in his circle but he doesn't he's not a bragger when it comes to his abilities Sidious at all um he chooses like I said and when he chooses he chooses it for a reason and I think at this point he's taunting because throughout the whole book he's at one moment he's telling Vader good job but as soon as like one second later he's tearing him down making him feel like crap for having feelings because that's a weakness and yada, 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 the whole jazz. But here's my thing. I know it's considered legends now, but when Revenge of the Sith novelization came out, they did a three pack book and one was called, um, one was called Dark Lord, Dark Lord of the Sith, which was referring to Vader. And there is a moment in that book where he is so upset with himself because he's contemplating, he knows he can take him out. He knows he can destroy him. But then the worst scenario ever would happen. He would be alone. That is his biggest fear. It was his Anakin and it is his Darth Vader. He doesn't want to be alone. So he keeps the nasty old man alive because without him, he's alone. Who else is going to love him? Not that it's love, but you think about it, that's his only relationship. So I, I've always said that. I mean, since I was little, he just needs a hug. <laughs> <laughs> you think that, that was it? So if someone that just came up it. and hugged him, Middle of Empire Strikes yeah. Back. <laughs> then he would have just been like, do you know what? I'm done. Han, you can well, go. Just... Take him out of the carbonite. It's fine. Right. But that's just it. I mean, like you think about it. All he ever wanted was for someone to make him feel like his life was significant. And to share that with somebody. It sounds simple. Do you know what? Right? Though, I agree. Because um, if, if you read, especially, the, it happens in the books, but especially in the comics, Vader lashes onto people. He he almost takes people as pets. He becomes dependent on them. It's how people like Afra survived him and um, uh, Sabe. You know, he he adopts these people and they get away with murder under him. Literally, and they survive because he it's it's always a young female, so it's always someone that's slightly reminiscent of uh, Padme, but not always. Sometimes it's droids. You know. Um, so he do, he definitely has attachment issues. I'll say that to back up your point, Becca. But honestly, that's what's so masterful about the way that Palpatine deals with him is because you said he could take him out, but Palpatine has already made him feel like he's the only person 
who cares about him. Not cares about him, but would care if he wasn't there, if he didn't exist. He Palpatine keeps him as his pet at the same time, which is, again, that masterful... Is it more... I mean, is that silent power more than the physical strength and the strength in the Force? Yeah, exactly. And he's, he's been doing that since the beginning, you know. If you remember in Attack of the Clones and um, Revenge of the Sith, Palpatine's always angle angle always was you know they don't understand in in subtext was they don't understand you you've always got a friend in me so he's been seeding that from the absolute beginning and uh, similarly in um he did the same thing spoilers if you haven't read it and this isn't really a spoiler but in rise of the red blade um palpatine did the same thing with um oh my god what's the name it's cat it's, it's that's it. I was thinking Isval. I was like, no, that's the person from this book. But it's a very similar tactic, wasn't it? In that, and I know you're a big fan of that, Becca. So, um, so yeah. So that's obviously his tactics, isn't it? That's what well, that's what he does. It's 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 an abusive partner, isn't it? It's very similar to that. It's creating dependency. Um, I don't know if anyone wants to add anything onto that, <laughs> Becca. No, it's definitely um, that classic, and of course the word escapes me, and I should know this very well. It's a classic uh, relationship between, and I'm just going to say it, like real world, it's classic for like domestic violence. Um, You you stick with it because the unknown is far more scarier than what you're dealing with right, right now. So you stay in that toxic you know, type of relationship because like Morgan, so you, you mean you nailed it to me at least that that's just it. I mean, Palpatine has solidified it with Vader that without me, you know, you have nobody who's going to even look at you. Who's going to care? Not that it's caring per se, but it's enough because he's around. It's a presence without it. He has nothing and he's always latched on. And I, believe that goes all the way back it stems back to having to walk over and i say having i probably shouldn't but you know at nine years old how do you how do you choose to walk away from mom to take on this life prodigy as a jedi knight i mean at nine years old you don't even know what you you know who you are yet but anyway he does it and i think that separation anxiety is what kind of blooms throughout his entire life he's physically growing but emotionally he's stunted because he's still that nine-year-old little boy who feels abandoned that's just how i look at it no and it, I, I agree i mean you, it, it's back to when we return the jedi isn't it the moment that luke throws his lightsaber down and he knows that he has luke and that luke is there for him he loves him and he's his son he immediately picks up palpatine and throws him in the the big space hole <laughs> sorry there it is um so yeah i mean everything you're saying is bang on i think both of you guys and obviously mark as well um so before we wrap up i want to quickly just ask who cried at the end of this book because that moment in that village is possibly one of the most devastating moments in any star wars book how did you guys react to that uh morgan I didn't cry. And I also want to state that as as per the last time I was on here, I did read this again like yesterday. So I'm I'm fresh on it. Um, I didn't cry either time, but I definitely I mean it hits the emotional notes. It's that scene is that scene is rough, but it's it's very in character and it very much shows the types of relationships that we get here. I mean, Becca kind of hit the nail on the head when she said about this being essentially like domestic abuse. This is a story of people who don't 
kind of people who don't feel that they matter and people who um Becca kind of hit the nail right on the head Becca well how did this how did you find the end of this book oh I mean I cry like a baby but then again anything I mean there's a lot of Star Wars books that I've cried in and I just yeah it my husband will be walking by and he's like, you're reading a book. What are you doing? I'm like, and then I start, you know, babbling. And he's like, whatever, you know, I, I'm crying over Star Wars. But yes, this book really, and I remember this because and it's been a while, but I remember being so horrified that he did it. He did it and he did it because he knew that was expected of him. And it's almost like he put blinders on, literally put the helmet on and just went forward almost mindless, you know? Um, but to me, Every time he does something like that, he gets further and further from who he really is. Um, and I think he does it purposefully. I know that sounds horrible, but I think it's because any type of memory, which we even see in this book when he thinks of Ahsoka, it's painful. It hurts him because deep down, even though he won't take accountability for it yet, he knows he was wrong. He knows he could have made a different choice. Um, there's a specific line that we recently got um in a show and i'm probably paraphrasing but it's spoken where you know sometimes even you know the the right choice has the wrong consequences um you know you feel you're justified you feel you're doing the right thing but in the end you're going to pay a cost because you lose a piece of you and i think each time he does it he feels i'm killing anakin i'm killing anakin i'm killing anakin i can be this other person now i can forget and i think that's what's so horrible but not only this but there's this, there's i can't think of her name but the young girl in the village she doesn't think he would do it she doesn't you know so i think that's what really bothered me is because he did the unthinkable for this person who was starting to have some sort of hope in who he is or who he could be. And then he takes them all out. So it's just, again, it's that image that you get in Rogue One going through the corridor. You know, that's what you see. And it's just brutal. It's brutal. Yeah. Mark with that whole maintaining that I, balance of threat and struggle. <laughs> it's there. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's probably one of the, the first glimpses we had of, that Vader might be already turning back to the light as well um, because he hesitates and he even quite, I can't remember, I mean, Morgan, you, you read it yesterday, so you'll probably be able to tell me, but uh, I'm sure he says, like, tries to get out of it by, is there any other way or anything like that? Is I think I think that happens. So it's, it's, it's a rare glimpse at um, his early time chance of turning the light. Um, so, Mark, what about yourself? How did you uh, react to the end of this well, I think book? it's... It's reminiscent of Revenge of the Sith when he wins his duel with Dooku and Palpatine is like, do it. Um, and so for me, it's like, again, really could it have ended any other way? And I think that when you have a story like this, that's a tragedy, you know, um, and and I think it it's reminiscent of, you know, Shakespeare or Greek tragedy you know that it's going to end poorly for the character, but there's still an element of it that just feels unfair because they were right. They, they should have been successful. And as Becca said, you know, there were glimpses of Anakin in there and he's, it's just like, he's killing another piece of himself um, on his inevitable path in more strongly into the dark side. So yeah, for me, it was, um, I rarely get emotional over books. Uh, 
so I, I didn't really get emotional, but you know, you, you are left with that sense of, but it's not fair. Like she's really trying to do the right thing. And you really believe in the cause, obviously that she has. Um, but yeah, again, it's like, we're just reinforcing the, the horrible dynamic between Palpatine and Vader. And we know what Vader's going to do at this point in his existence. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't say anything about myself, to be honest. Um, it was a, it was a powerful ending. Um, it shows exactly who Vader is at this point in his life and his relationship with Palpatine. Uh, and it was devastating to read, I'll be honest. Um, probably one of the most devastating moments in Star Wars books, I think. I think there's a moment in Death Troopers, which I can't read again, <laughs> to do with Wookiees. That's the only thing that probably hit me as hard. Um, but yeah, so I think it was a good chance to wrap up there. So um, thank you for joining me, guys. Um, a quick one, though, a quick small question. Is this a book that you'd recommend to first-time Star Wars readers? Um, Mark, would you recommend it? I think it's an easy one to recommend because it is mostly familiar characters in the leads. Um, obviously, they created new ones for the book, but it's about Vader and Palpatine, which um, I think that's an easy end for somebody who hasn't read a Star Wars book yet. Um, I mean, obviously, I have recommendations like The High Republic and stuff like that, which are mostly original. Uh, but I think if you're just starting to get your feet wet uh, in Star Wars literature, this would be a good book to pick up. Um, almost as good as uh, like the Revenge of the Sith novelization, which is, uh, you know, just a really good adaptation of the film. Uh, great, in fact. Uh, but if you're looking beyond the films and you're wanting to get your feet wet, uh, absolutely do recommend it. Yes. Great. And um, Becca, would you recommend this to a first time reader? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially if they're not really you know, into Star Wars, but they want to kind of get their feet wet and just kind of explore Because most people, even if they haven't seen Star Wars, which like, really? But no, I'm just kidding. But I do have, I do have a few <laughs> friends that have never watched and have no interest in, but they know who Darth Vader is. Like, they know that character. Like, who doesn't? He's everywhere on every little knickknack that you can find. He's plastered. Uh, no pun intended, because, you know, plastic, plastic steel. Anyway, um, that being said, <laughs> that being said, yes, I do think it would definitely be a good book for them to you know start with because again there's you don't really have to know too much to understand what's going on so yeah definitely great and morgan what about you what about yourself i agree they hit most of the points one thing i would say um somebody who's not a seasoned sci-fi or fantasy reader uh, it is a pretty broad cast of characters and there's a lot of storylines that are going on. Um, so if you want to ease your way in, I don't know if this is the uh, jumping off point, but if you're already a reader of adult fantasy, adult sci-fi, then this is exactly where you want to start. Great. Perfect. So thanks for joining us guys. It's been wonderful as always. Um, where can we find you? Mark, Where, if people want to listen to you or hear more of your thoughts, where can they find you? Um, I'm at Mark E. Suter um, on most platforms. I have a Twitter account that I only retweet uh, show business, so uh, don't don't reach out to me there. Uh, I'm on Blue Sky and Threads and Instagram with that handle. Um, I also have a website, MarkSuterAuthor.com, and a book on Amazon called Vulcan's Blade. Oh, nice. uh, that's my first time self-published novel. So uh, if people are interested. Uh, I'm also on the Idiot's Array podcast 
And uh, I think that's about it. Great. I mean, I'm going to check the book out, definitely. Um, um, Becca? Well, um, I'm on basically all social medias, but I'm currently most active on what used to be Twitter, um, what is now X. I'm there. I'm on Blue Sky as well. Uh, Threads, Instagram, I'm really starting to you know, get more into that because I think that's where most people are falling right now or aligning with. I'm also on yeah. Facebook, but again, same handle all across the board, which is at you are angel B. If you want to check out our show, I mean, if you're into star Wars books and all um, you can check us out at Tarkin's top shelf. And again, on all social media platforms, um, anywhere where you catch your pods, we should be there. Our email, if you want to, you know, say hi is TTS pod feedback at gmail.com. And yeah, that's that sums it up. I do recommend the Talking Top Shelf podcast, guys. It's wonderful. Um, and Morgan, where can people find you if they want you to find you? I'm pretty easy to find. Pretty much only Instagram, a little bit of TikTok, at uh, not a force user. Also, I do want to like shout out for a second. I think this is our first, uh, or at least the first Star Wars book community podcast episode that passes the Bechdel test because Becca and I are both on here. So good job. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> yeah there you go um did we mention the horrible yeah we mentioned the horrible book no we've, we've, we've kept with the trend we have a we have a, a trend where we can't have an episode without mentioning the horrible public once so we failed on that one so that's good um so great yeah thanks for joining us on the newly branded canon catch-up i think the next one to release after this will be dark disciple it's already recorded so it, that'll come out um so yeah may the force be with you guys and thanks for listening <laughs>